0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the foundation of a Judeo-Christian government.
1: The father of our nation, George Washington, declared that it is impossible to rightly govern without God and the Bible. Since 1962, when we began to exclude God, the Bible, and ethics of Christian morality, our nation has been plummeting on a consistent downward spiral.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Henry David Thoreau taught that the solution to an unsatisfactory government was civil disobedience. Still others proclaim all-out revolution. Well, what should be the Christian's perspective on dealing with the government? That's the topic Pastor Xavier will be dealing with today on his current lesson from the book of Titus. Let's listen.
1: Titus chapter 3... Verse 1 and 2. The message entitled, The Believer in Government. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. This very third chapter of Titus. Marks the third and last division of the book, and it just lines up perfectly with what's going on in our nation right now and where we fit in. It focuses on the order of social life through obedience and good works, which expresses God's desire to reach the lost by way of the believer. The work of God begins with a person, then with a family, and the church, but ultimately... The world is to receive the witness of God's life through the people of God. For Jesus said that we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. The Christian influence in the world is the only hope, as well as the ultimate restraining force against the tide of evil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6.12 says. Yes, there are men of flesh and blood that must be confronted, but we know the power behind the instrument. Satan's the God of this world. He's the prison of the power of the air. We all serve them at one time. The father of our nation, George Washington, declared that any nation who divorces their politics from religion and morality would not prosper. He also declared that it is impossible to rightly govern without God in the Bible. Since 1962, when we began to exclude God, the Bible, and ethics of Christian morality, our nation has been plummeting on a consistent downward spiral. Violent crimes, murders, divorce, and moral lifestyles have arisen 300 to 700% and even more to the present day. The forefathers of our nation used the word, quote, religion, always in reference to Christianity of the Bible. And to anything that opposed Christian faith, it was called, quote, false religion. Yet how far we have come from the original intent of our forefathers and the Constitution they drafted. Let me give you just one sample of some of the requirements of public office in the states. This is from the Constitution of Delaware. Listen carefully. Article 22. Every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office or place of trust shall make a subscript the following declaration to, and then the word wit, meaning the witness, and they fill your name in. I, Xavier, Do profess faith in God, the Father, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the holy scriptures of the Old Testament and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. That's the kind of requirements that used to have to be met by men who ran politics. That's where we began, people. Godly men are to rule in order that people may enjoy peace and tranquility. For righteousness exalt the nation, but sin is reproach to any people. Proverbs fourteen thirty four tells us. Now Paul, the apostle here, declares to Titus his responsibility to remind the believer to be subject to the governing authorities. We are responsible. We are accountable to the government. The Bible is very clear as to the degrees and to the extent. But I think for so long we have to be careful as Christians become nothing but irritants to that which God has established. And there's a fine line. And we need to understand that. Let me read here verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good word, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceful, gentle, showing all humility to all men. The responsibility of Titus was to remind the believer to be subject to the governing authorities, which consists of three things. Listen to him well. First of all, the proclamation of submission, the first part of verse 1. Second, the practice of submission, the remainder of verse one. And then finally, the particulars of submission in verse two. He lays them out. One, two, three. The proclamation of submission. The proclamation is by way of reminder, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. Notice first the proclamations in view of their present knowledge. Making them, listen, accountable. Paul the Apostle had been at Crete. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. And he himself had taught the Cretans about the Christian faith and the life to be lived out. For Titus 1, 5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Paul and Titus were there. This was no news. This was stuff they knew already. But they were to be put in memory of that. How often when you go home, look up a concourse and and, and look up the word remember, remind, think. And God wants you to reflect, to remember. We as parents tell our children, what did I tell you? How many times have I told you? (laughs) Titus has said in order the things that were lacking. Appointed elders in every city in preparation for the life of the church to be the light and salt at Crete. The word remind means to cause one to remember, to bring to remembrance, to recall. And we do this to one another. The word is in the present imperative, which literally means keep on reminding them. It is to be a repeated reminder. How important for us to be constantly remind ourselves of our Christian responsibility. To listen, to society. I think President Kennedy had a right. That's not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I think that we've become very self-centered people as Americans. And I think some of the worst Americans sometimes have been Christians. Because we've gotten so self-righteous and so out of whack. And we need to get back in line with the scriptures. How important for us to remember that we have to walk in the spirit in order not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The old man, the sin nature, Galatians 5.16. Walking in the spirit does not happen automatically. The flesh happens automatically. It's the spirit that I have to endeavor and commit myself to. That I have to entrust myself to God to a greater power outside of myself. or wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. The same word is used of the Holy Spirit. Who brings back all things to our remembrance in John 14, 26. It is the Holy Spirit that reminds you, reminds me when we're out of line. When we say something that we shouldn't and the Holy Spirit Convicts us. And then we have an opportunity to say, oh, I'm sorry. Or we can say, yeah, but they deserve it. It is our responsibility as believers to pay attention and obey the conviction and the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Don't bring pain to it. Ephesians 4.30. The word is used by Jude to remind the believer of what they knew about the people of God who had been delivered out of Egypt and then destroyed. It is our responsibility of believers to learn how quickly people forget what God has done for them and how quick they are to lean towards rebellion. People forget so quickly. The good that God has done. Notice secondly, the proclamation is that they be subject, making themselves responsible. The phrase to be subject, hupataso, we've talked about this word many times in the Greek, it's a military term. The word means to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader, to line up in order in rank. It has nothing to do with inferiority, it has everything to do with your position. That's your rank. That's your duty. That's what you do. This hand is a hand. It's not a foot. It does what it's designed to. The different men in the military, whether it be private PFCs, landscore, whatever it may be, they're under rank, undergrade. They submit to that order. In non military use. It was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility to one's position and role, and carrying a burden. We as a generation are generation like butter. The generations of past were made of steel. They did not complain. They bore the burden. They paid the cost. Because they have their children, the future generations in mind. We are so engulfed in ourselves, we can't see the forest because we're so close to the trees. Now this word is in the middle voice, infinitive, implying their voluntary acceptance of this position of submission. Willingly, of one's own accord, seeing the benefit Seeing the justice of it. Seeing the authority behind it. The word is used for the subjection of Jesus to his parents as he grew in Luke 2.51. Think about it. God. God submitted himself to
0: parents.
1: (laughs) Now, how would you discipline Jesus if you were his parents? Interesting. The word is used of... Mutual submission of a husband and a wife in Ephesians 2.1. Same word. The word is used for the young women and the servants that we've looked at here in Titus 2, 5, and 9. You see, whether we like it or not, we all have to submit at one point or another. We all will be in the position of submission in life. The word focuses on attitude of the individual towards others. Because attitude is the most important thing. You can have right actions by an individual. And the task may get done. But if the attitude is not right, then the action at times is even considered, I wish it hadn't been done. But if our attitude is right... Even if we do a lousy job, it will be appreciated. Because the heart's in it. Saul, David, and Solomon. Remember them? Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. Which are you? It is not mere outward compliance, that is the emphasis, but the inner attitude. It is the source of all actions as to their kind and quality. Do it, do it good. Do it, do it all the way. Do it wholeheartedly. Notice thirdly here, that the proclamation is to be subject to rulers. And authorities making them examples. The reference to rulers means the beginning, origin, the person or thing that commences. The first person or thing in a series. The leader. The word is used for good angels and bad angels in Ephesians 1.21, 3.10 and 6.12. The word is... In the context focuses on the person who is exercising the role of leader or magistrate, if you will, in a local region or city. And that's the way it's used in Luke 12, 11. The reference to authorities, exousias, means the power of authority, influence, and of right, privilege. The power of rule or government, the power of him who will... And commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Listen, there's always two pillars for any society. Whether it be the nucleus of the home, a simple relationship of two, or a nation. Here it is. Ready? Authority and submission. Without that, you have no productivity. No effectiveness. No progress. The context is referring to secular government. Be it the federal, state, or local government. The government of Paul's day, I want you to think about it. Who Paul is writing to. Titus. The government of that day was Rome. Who was not sympathetic towards Christianity. In fact, in a few years they would launch a full attack of persecution. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Think about it when you say, well, Paul doesn't understand our day. Really? (laughs) Listen. It costs much to obtain the power of the Spirit. It costs self-surrender and humiliation and a yielding up of our most precious things to God. It caused the perseverance of long waiting and the faith of strong trust. But when we are really in the power, we shall find this difference. That whereas before it was hard for us to do the easiest things, now it is easy for us to do the hard things. You know how hard it was for your pastors to live the way I lived before? Let me change that. It was impossible. Do you know how easy it is for me to live like this now? Am I implying there's no warfare? Oh, no. But I like a good fight. (laughs) But let me tell you, it's easy now. By the Spirit of God. The governmental authorities are from God. And appointed by God. And whoever resists them resists God, bringing judgment on themselves, Romans 13, 1 and 2 says. They bring judgment on themselves. The basic function of rulers is not against good works, but evil ones. And if we do good, we do not have to be afraid of the authorities. For they are God's avenger of wrath, even With capital punishment, not bearing the sword in vain. Romans 13, 3, and 4. Yes, capital punishment is New Testament theology. They do not bear the sword in vain. So if you are doing good, you don't have to fear the authorities. But if you're doing evil, then you'd be wise to fear the authorities. Real simple. There in Romans, verse 5 through 7, it says the believers to be submissive not only for wrath, but conscience sake. For this reason, we pay taxes, custom, give fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor is due. They're God's ministers. Am I saying they're all Christians? No. But it's God's ministers. It's God's authority. God has placed order. The only exception... Is when the rulers and authorities attempt to overrule the word of God. Then we must obey God rather than man. Acts 5.29 That doesn't mean that we agree in all the laws they pass. Do you think that all the laws that were present in Jesus' day he was pleased with? Did he have walk-ins? Did he have sit-downs? Did he have protests? No. No. He respected the authorities. And he spoke on righteousness. And he lived righteously. That's what we are to do. Where there is place to write a letter, to make a phone call, hey, let's do it. We have that within our constitution. But lest we be some kind of extreme radicals, That are looked as an irritant, then we become what really is not biblical. The only exception is when they tell me something that's contrary to the Word of God, personally, where they try to force me, where they would force abortion on all women, then that would be absolute protest. That I would not be able to preach on Sunday morning, then you have to bring me some gum in the jail. Because <laughs> I don't smoke. <laughs> That's the only time we rebel. In fact, First Peter 2.13 and 17 says, The command is for the purpose of God's will that by doing good we silence the ignorance and foolish men. That we as Christians are law abiding citizens and that we put to silence foolish and ignorant men. The possibility of suffering unjustly is always present in an evil system. 1 Peter 3.13-17 through 17 tells us that. But as they accuse us falsely, we're to live in such a way as to contradict them and expose their lies. And then we are to commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator in our sufferings. Yes, you and I can be victims of this system, of this government, wrongly. And I'm to conduct myself in such a way to honor God. Hmm. The believer is to pray for those in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodness and reverence. In hope that those in authority would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I pray that you pray for our president. We're in a very perilous time. For the leaders, for the men that are surrounding him. That they would be in prayer, not only in keen investigation, but in prayer. So that we can get to the truth and be absolutely sure of the truth. So when we act on the truth, it will be justice. And not mere venting of our anger and sense of satisfaction. So we as the Christian community should be praying on our knees and our face every day. That is our responsibility. Proclamation of submission by way of reminder. This is the proclamation. We know these things. We just don't do them.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and a biblical solution to a righteous government. A solution that requires a proactive involvement by the people of God. Now don't miss the next edition for more from this message, The Believer and Government. But if you can't join Pastor Xavier, you can always pick up a copy on CD for only $4. And you can pass on this study to a friend or loved one when you're finished with your own study. So that title, once again, is The Believer and Government, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What should be the Christian's response to the government? That discussion coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back.